Hey, it's Ian Altman. Before we dive into this week's episode, do me a favor and stop by and visit giversedge.com. There are only a few gifts I've received over the years that really stood out, and they were all sourced by the ruling group who you can find at giversedge.com. Hey, it's Ian Altman. On this episode, it's a solo episode. I'm going to talk specifically about what do we do when we talk to our clients about the kind of problems we can solve for them, and they say, well, but I don't have any problems. So I'm going to specifically address a question or two that I've received via email. And then I also want to talk about different ways that we can uncover what could be going on in areas where we can serve our clients if our initial inclination is that they could really benefit from our help. So we're going to dive right in. And before I do, I just want to thank those of you who take the time to share this podcast with others who are subscribing on iTunes and Stitcher really makes a big difference and helps get this show in front of other people. So I just want to thank you so much for doing it. I mean, the, the amount of activity and number of subscribers we have has really surprised us. And um, I just can't thank you enough. It's really, really makes a big difference and makes me feel good about the work that we do here. So I received an email recently from a guy out of New York, and I don't want to throw him under the bus and say who it is, but he'll know when he's listening to this episode, where he was talking about he's in the business of, he actually is in the photo booth business. So if you've ever been to a wedding or a corporate event and they have someone with a photo booth, he had he had listened to some of my some of my podcasts and and read same side selling and he said well look the issue with my client is that they you know they don't have a problem you know they're doing a wedding or whatever they don't have a photo booth problem and so what do I do if you tell me Ian that I should talk to people about the problems we solve but you know I'm just offering a service so I mean they don't really have a problem. And so let me explain to you how I address this question for him, and hopefully you get some insight that can help your business as well. See, he's absolutely right in that his clients don't have a photo booth problem. However, what are the symptoms that the photo booth actually treats? So the response I gave to him was, look, here's what's really going on. Your clients say, man, I don't want to spend all this money, have a great event, And all the people remember was how much they drank or what they ate or what they danced, but there's no way for them to remember that. And we want something that creates a lasting impression. So that's something that a photo booth would do. Or look, there's all sorts of different activities or things that we can provide at our event, but there are very few things that will appeal to both younger attendees and older attendees. And the photo booths cut across all that. And we want something that's kind of good, wholesome fun not just people being reckless, that everybody can participate in. And guess what? The photo booth does that too. And look, we want to be able to catch people at their silliest and have memories of it that we can share and drip out to people for the weeks or months ahead. And this applies to a corporate event, to a a social event. It's all the same. And the photo booth covers that. So oftentimes it's easy for us to think about this notion that, well, look, my clients don't have a problem that relates to my issue. But think about it, even in my business, when I'm doing sales training for an organization, most organizations don't think to themselves, oh man, we got a major sales training problem. What they do say is, look, our clients are always focused on price instead of value. They might say to us that, look, we've got a great message, but it falls on deaf ears. Nobody pays attention to what we've got. 
they might say, well, I mean, our forecasts aren't realistic. So I, I have no idea how we can plan because we don't know what's real and what isn't. Well, none of those talk about sales training, but in terms of selling skills, they're all related to that. So the first thing you have to remember is that when you're seeking out problems that you're good at solving, that's one tack to take is start thinking about the symptoms that you solve rather than focusing on just yourselves and what is what it is that you offer as a product or service. So that's the first thing that I want you to think about. The second thing that I want you to consider is that oftentimes you're walking into an environment where they already have an existing vendor. And so most people are going to say, well, look, you know, I'm totally comfortable with who I have. I already have an insurance provider. I already have an IT company. What do I need your help for? And in those situations, what we want to do is we want to actually engage them in a discussion about the competition. But it's critical that when we do that, it is non-threatening. And in order to do that, we need to disarm the notion that we're there to sell something. And instead, the first thing we need to do is put ourselves in a position where maybe we don't feel so okay about ourselves, which is going to make them more receptive to an open and honest dialogue. So it might sound something like this. So I might say to you, hey, hey, look, look, Chris, I know that you guys are already dealing with somebody else. I'm sure they're doing a great job. I'd love to get insight into what other people are doing that maybe we should be doing in the future for our clients. Can you tell me some of the things you like about the people you're working with now? Now, by disarming early on and saying you're trying to fi figure out what other people do, it gives them the ability to sit back and brag about how smart they were to pick that other client or pick that other vendor. So they say, oh, well, they do this great. They do that great. Um, they're the greatest thing since sliced bread. I'm so smart for picking them. And then we say, wow, that's great. It sounds like you're in really great hands. If you could change one or two things about them, what would those be? And now you start getting to the real meat of it because they might say, well, you know what? They're not as responsive as we would like to be. Well, they don't quite have the breadth of skills that we wish they had. And whatever it is, all you can be is empathetic. So you can't say, oh, yeah, it sounds like they really suck. It sounds like it's a big deal. And in fact, if they mention something, you might want to say, well, is that a big deal? Almost incredulous. Like, well, it doesn't sound like that's that big of a deal, right? And if it isn't, then the timing's not right. And if they say, well, it is a big deal, you get to then follow up with the following question, which is, well, is the potential of working with somebody who can address those issues worth a discussion about how we might be able to help? Because now what you're doing is you're asking them specifically about whether or not you can help them in an area that they've already told you their current provider cannot address. And that puts you in a dramatically different position than you would be otherwise. So now we get in a position where it's a little bit, they're a little bit more receptive because they've already shared some of the information. Now, it's important that we don't use these techniques as a Jedi mind trick or as a tool for deception. Instead, we're just trying to get to the truth. And remember, effective selling is about getting to the truth as quickly as possible. We might run into other situations where clients aren't aware that they actually have an issue or a challenge. And so, for example, let's say that I was, let's say that I sell something related to compliance. So, for example, in healthcare insurance right now, um, one of the big things is the Affordable Care Act compliance. And do you, are you offering affordable insurance for people? And there are different metrics for how you measure that. And if you walk into a potential client and you say, well, I mean, you guys probably have this huge exposure 
it's going to seem like fear-mongering. And that sort of fear-mongering isn't going to be well-received. They're going to be very, very guarded at that point. You're probably not going to have an open, honest discussion, even if that's their circumstance. But let's face it, if they're having that issue, you're actually doing them a disservice by not talking about it. So how do we change that dynamic? How do we make it so that we're having an open and honest conversation with them? Well, one of the ways we can do it is through a third-party story. And what I mean by that is we can explain how other people are dealing with this issue and then simply ask, well, how common is that? So I might say, you know, Pat, in an organization your size, you have about 75 people. I was talking to um, one of our clients who has about 75 people, and right now we're doing a bunch of work for them in the compliance area on this Affordable Care Act. And the um, and the CEO said to us, wow, you know what's funny is two months ago, we thought we had a total handle on this, and our HR people thought they totally understood it. And now we find out that if we hadn't made the changes that we just did, that we would have been looking at about $50,000 in fines, and we would have been in no position to pay for those. So it's kind of interesting because they were convinced that they had everything under control and they didn't. How common do you think that is, Pat? And now what we've done is we've made it so it's not about Pat, it's about their industry. It's about an experience that other people are having that they may or may not be having. And that way, it's not like we're pointing fingers at them, it's not like we're threatening them, but instead, we're making it possible. So um, my, uh, my life insurance rep, um, Scott, is a guy who years ago, we were looking for life insurance for me. I was convinced of how much life insurance I needed. And Scott had two options. He could have either said, well, Ian, you don't have enough life insurance. You need more. And now I would have been thinking, well, he's just trying to sell me more insurance. And what Scott said is he said, you know, Ian, I'm glad that you know how much insurance you need. See, a couple of weeks ago, one of my clients, been a client of mine for 10 years, he passed away. And, you know, we were very close to them. I knew him. I knew his wife. And so I didn't want just the insurance carrier to bring the death benefit payment. It's one of the hardest things. And also, in some cases, one of the most rewarding things in our business. And so I went out to bring the check to her. And so I went out there and I expressed my condolences. And we cried a little bit together. And then I, I handed her the check and said, here's the payout from the policy. And she looked at it and she said, that's it? I mean, I, I don't think we can live on that. And he, and he looked at me and he said, and you know, I, I just felt horribly that at the time I hadn't taken the time to make sure that they had enough coverage then and that that coverage would cover them into the future when they really needed it. And guess what? I bought a lot more insurance at that point than I thought I was going to. And I'll be honest with you, I don't know if that story was real or not from Scott, but it really doesn't matter. Because what it did was it got me to think, wow, I could be just like that other person, and do I really have enough coverage, which basically means today that I'm worth way more dead than alive. And um, something that my wife reminds me of every day. 
So remember, there's a few key takeaways I want you to get from this. So first is, it's not uncommon for your clients not to identify and understand what problems they have that relates to your service. However, don't think of it as, what are the problems that my service solves? But instead, what I want you to think of is, what are the symptoms that my product or service treats? So now I'm looking for the problems that are those symptoms that I treat, not just what my product or service does. Second, when I've got a client who um, is already working with another vendor, I ask them, what do you like about your current provider? And if you could change one or two things, what would those be? Then when they start talking to me about what they wish they could change, then I can say, well, is the potential of solving those issues worth a discussion about how we might be able to help? And that gets us to some level of clarity. And then the last piece is you want to make sure that you have good third-party stories so that you're never talking about their deficiencies, meaning your clients, but instead you're relating stories about what other people have faced and how you've helped them. And then you get to ask your client, how common is that? Or how do they deal with that situation? Now you can have an open and honest discussion. Once again, thanks so much for taking the time to subscribe and to share the episodes and the podcast with other people. And remember that this show gets all of its direction from you, the listener. So if there's an episode where there's a topic you want me to cover, if there's a guest you want me to have on the show, just drop me a note at ian at ianaltman.com. Have an amazing week, add value, and grow revenue in a way everybody can embrace, even your customer.